Well, welcome to the Speak the Language podcast. We are back at Cottonmouth, and I am sitting here with Mr. Levi Morgan. And you say, this is a good time to do a podcast because you actually, you killed a buck this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, man. It was uh third day. Yeah. Worked out awesome. So you've had, well, let's just go straight to that. Like, like you're... How many how many hunts in the south have you done so far just this year? Just this year, uh, one down it was in Mississippi, but I was scheduled to do another one. That's when I had all my stuff yeah. kind of swiped. <laughs> <Yeah. myself. laughs> what happened in Vicksburg? Yeah, well, we were on our way from Tunica, Mississippi, hunt with my buddy Andy Morgan to Rifle Point, Louisiana, hunt went with those guys and stopped in Vicksburg. Quick, gonna take a quick uh, night in a hotel, just get a couple hours of sleep and bad choice hey i left some stuff in the truck and they got all of it Golly. so we had to turn around and go home i mean they took my bow stands sticks zeiss binos zeiss spot and scope camera equipment you name it they got it all the camera stuff too not the big cameras but they got a lot like our kessler sliders our you know miller tripods and Crap. You name it, stuff like that but mm. and my triax which is the worst part because yeah. i was i was so confident in that bow I shot it all year but yeah that's why you were doing all that you were setting the new one back up when you got here the yeah, first day i mean i had one hunt left and so i got matthew sent me a, another triax and so i literally have two days in it so i did not take the pains with it i took with my other one really you know babying it getting it perfect so right. you know it worked we killed a big buck yeah. tonight so yeah so what did you um well you've hunted in the south a good bit you're talking about i mean what what did you think of I mean, I'm supposing you, you like Cottonmouth a pretty good Oh, my bit. I mean, God, you did, man. <laughs> you it doesn't get any well. I've hunted all over the South. I grew up in the South, and it does not get any better than, than this. And it's a tough time of year, you yeah. know. And uh, you take all that into consideration. we got 70-degree weather, yeah. and, I mean, we're seeing big, mature deer on their feet. It don't, don't get any better than that. Yeah, and one of the, I think, bow hunting-wise, one of the biggest things that you would struggle with is, like we were telling you today before we, we went out there, is we're like, man, there's not going to be a whole lot of cover in that stand. Right. But that's January. I mean, there's not much you can do because all the foliage is off the trees. You just kind of have to stay yeah. still. I mean, you got to, you know, that's what we were talking about yesterday. You got to, you know, stay tight to that tree, you know, fold that seat up and hug the tree. Don't get stuck out in the middle of the air, you know, and especially down south. These southern deer don't let you get away with nothing. No. You know? and, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it worked out. I mean, we had enough cover. There's two of us in the tree, too which makes it hard you guys yeah. know all about that yeah so. <laughs> but we got it done yeah i'd like to talk about kind of what what made that hunt successful for you and then we, we talked about a lot on this podcast a lot is we've had just a ton of success with those food plots this year right. and you weren't on a food plot right but you were on the thicket line and a bunch of trails that led to it like because yep. you probably could see the pay, because of how open it is right. you could see the food plot from where you were sitting yeah correct? i could actually see deer walking around in the food plot don't know what they were you know but um if we had been and that's i mean when we got in there we automatically me and michael looked at each other and said this is a sick setup because we were far enough away from that food plot that those big mature deer that probably wouldn't have made it there yeah by by shooting light right. we were going to cut them off and that's the only reason we killed that one the night, you know, because he was, we were actually doing the close for yeah. the night and he come out. So if we'd have been down there 200 yards away on that food plot, I don't think we'd ever mm -hmm. got him. And that's a, especially you like, it's, it's a, a lot of people and, and cause in a lot of other places in January right now, especially up, you know, like where you're from around, right. I and mean, it's cold right now. Right. Yeah. 
Well, it's not. I wish it wasn't like this sometimes, but it's not uncommon to see these big fluctuations in temperature like we right. got right now. Like yeah. tomorrow, it's going to be in the 30s. Right. And today we were wearing t-shirts. Right. It was 60 something degrees. Yeah. Um. So where, like, I know you've done some crazy hunts this year. Like, what? What? I know you did moose in where northwest was that? territories. Yeah. Yeah, I went up there. It's been a dream hunt of mine for a long time, and still chasing the super slam and all that. So it was an animal on the list, and. Uh, we booked it a year or so ago, went up there. It was for mountain caribou and uh, Yukon moose, and it was incredible. I mean, it was really like a sheep hunt because where we were camped, we were glassing from sheep country because the moose weren't really calling. It was so early, yeah. um, and so we were really spotting stalking, so we had to find them from way up high and go down in there and kill them, but we got a big one. I killed a 60-incher, and, mm. um, and then next day, we helicopter back to base camp, took a shower, and then hiked back up on a mountain, killed a mountain caribou, so golly just back to back like that back to back yeah. days yeah what's the what's the elevation like there's a high elevation it's not or? that high no i think uh seven thousand feet maybe so it wasn't so not like, terrible no huh? not like purgatory no lord yeah. no huh? <laughs> um so i mean it was rugged rugged country but it was a top-notch outfit we were with there and it was it was a good hunt um what is it i mean because i mean I, I can compare it to an elk, but I mean, like like that moose. What, I mean, I've never seen a moose in person. Right. It, Aren't they like you draw back on one of those things? I mean, like it's crazy. Is your whole pins on? Yeah, them? I, mean, I mean, pretty much. I mean, I shot that one this year a long ways, and uh, so it was a little bit different. You know, it was eighty plus yards, but um, most of my pins were still in the vitals. You know, even that far. And I yeah. shot a moose a couple years ago at thirty, and dude, it, I mean. Every pin you could there. still miss, I guess, but it, you would have to really screw up. I mean, yeah, they're huge, dude. You know? I I never understood that until this year when I um when I got to bow hunt elk for the first time, and they yeah. always talked about drawing back and all the pins cover them up. Yeah. And I was just like, I just was trying to picture it, but then I mean, that elk that I shot was like twenty five yards, yeah, and I could have put my sixty yard pin on him, and it yeah. would have because it just covered him. Well, I remember my first elk hunt going from you know whitetail hunting and how big it seemed to me that yeah. bull elk was well it's this even that same difference going from an elk to a moose i mean you're just like how does something like this get away from you how does it hide and yeah. it's funny man and, and even up there in that country there's no big trees nothing but they can disappear in a second yeah it's, it's crazy but it's a really cool experience yeah so what it how, what do you lack on the super slam what do you have left i've got 21 of the 29 with a bow i've got 22 total so i still have to get two sheep i need a doll sheep with a bow a rocky mountain bighorn with a bow i gotta get a polar bear a grizzly and a brown bear a polar bear with a bow yeah it's crazy a grizzly bear with a bow yeah i got that book i'm going up to unicleet alaska next year for grizzly you're crazy <laughs> i know <laughs> i know it, man but and then i got a couple caribou um left and um a sick of blacktail really so that's about it yeah do you have like a like a timeline map that like you don't know, have like an estimated time or you just kind of right i will i wanted to be the youngest to ever do it ever you know the youngest super slammer is 33 and that's with a rifle the youngest to ever do it with a bow is 40 so i'm 30 and i wanted to be the youngest to ever do it with a bow and i really originally wanted to be the youngest to ever do it period and do it with a bow um and that still may happen, may not, but there's a kid uh, coming along that's going to, you know, take that away from me no matter what I do. So yeah. I'm not in as big a hurry to be that, you know, and so I'm just going to try to enjoy it. I slowed down a little bit on the timeline thing, so I'm, yeah. I'm going to try to do a couple adventure hunts a year and, and, and be able to enjoy it a little more. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. well, either way, I mean, that's an accomplishment, whether you're the youngest to do it or not. I mean, right. that's... Um, 
So I'm getting probably a lot of that slowing down because you got. I mean, you got two kids now, right? Yeah, two now, and Samantha's sitting at the house with them while I'm down here shooting big bucks. <laughs> I feel bad because she loves to be out here just as much as I do, and uh, she just took mom roll over a hundred hundred percent. And I miss those little rascals bad. She sent them pictures of them and stuff, but this is what we do for work, you know. And yeah. so I got to still still work, and then I get to enjoy it. Don't seem like work, but that's yeah. just the way it is. Well, what you just got to do is next year just all y'all roll down i already here. told her and i text her i said baby you've got to come down here yeah I said, you need y'all need to man oh, I mean, we, we, we can try. do it we'll yeah, try yeah. At, i mean because i mean you say we the hunting's fun we have a oh, good time yeah. it's just it's it's awesome i mean it don't get any better people place i mean it's just it's what hunting camp should be you know yeah i mean so let's let's back i, I got into it because i want i got into jumped ahead of myself because i wanted to talk about the moose and stuff so let's just talk i'm sure a lot of people know about your background and whatnot but like so you um, if any of y'all don't know about Levi, Levi is a world champion archer, tournament archer, and, and all that. And so you you told me earlier this week, I mean, you've pretty much done that since you were five years old. Yeah. Um, your dad got you started. Yeah, doing my dad correct? was a big bow hunter, you know, and, and uh, so we used to, he'd go shoot local tournaments when I was a kid yeah. um, just to practice for deer hunting. And uh, he drug me along, like, you know, when I was real young. I started shooting those tournaments when I was about five. and. So I started winning local stuff, and I guess he saw something in me, he thought, and took me to a national shoot, and I went to my first world shoot when I was six, and I tied for first and ended up losing in a shoot-off, and uh, from there, it's just been, I loved it, you know, loved yeah. the competition. I've always been a competitor, love all the sports I ever played, just I love competing, and, you know, archery's just been something I've done. But archery's just been my life, you know, since I was a kid. And, and bow hunting was what started it all. So it's always been yeah. kind of the passion that drove it. And, right. uh, but the competition side opened a lot of doors for me to be able to hunt and do what I do. So, um, yeah, well, you obviously have done well with it. Um, so I've always wondered this, like, so if you're, if you're, you know, like in a, making a, up to a, like a high point in the, in the competition or an important part of a competition, like how does that compare that feeling like to when you draw back on like a moose or something or a big white tail is it similar like you when you're when you're no it, it's not similar it, it's um you deal with those emotions the same yeah. but the emotions feel different yeah. you know deer hunting or moose hunting or um elk hunting or and even really between different species it's a different adrenaline for me yeah. like um i can understand that yeah, yeah you know elk screaming in your face coming in is so exciting and, and it's intense uh, yeah intense you know and then a big buck coming in you, you know it's a different excitement um, and so the same goes for archery. Archery competitions have turned into a pretty stressful situations because yeah. you create such expectation, and and I do on myself. And you know, uh, the last several years, it's been you know, if I get second place, everybody's asking, you know, what happened to you this weekend? You yeah. know, where when I first started my career, I would have gave anything to be in second place. So. <laughs> <laughs> that creates this cloud that follows you around. Everybody expects you to win. You expect you to win. So in those situations it's more of hey i gotta really focus and i gotta win right here you know any right. any way i can win and uh you know it's still fun and i love doing i love that competition it drives it still but that expectation makes it pretty stressful yeah um so and deer hunting's not that way that's no. why i look forward to deer season so right. much because i can have fun i don't have any you know you know i don't put stress on myself yeah. i go out and and uh and if a deer comes out and i like it and we have fun yeah and, and you, you know, put stress on yourself while you're hunting you're not doing it right right exactly yeah. man we have a blast hunting and that's why 
I'm so sad to see it go and can't wait till yeah. the next year. Yeah, so. <laughs> I understand. That's what we were talking about. Coming, it's at this point, you are the same way. It's January. It's getting close to the end of the year. Yeah. Like this is your last hunt of the year. We're, yeah. We may be here another week after right. you leaving, but and we're all tired, running on fumes. Yeah. But I promise, like maybe three days after mm-hmm. we're done, we're gonna be like, ah, oh, Mister Deer. Season. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's. I mean, all of it. And, and yeah, you, we were talking earlier. You know, I'm like, I can't wait to have a break, but. In a week, I'm going to be missing it. Something awful. Yeah. Um. So one thing I did notice about, I mean, because I was paying it, like, so you you shoot uh, a hinge release while right. you're hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't see that a lot. No. It's just, um, I have to slow myself down hunting a little bit. Yeah. You know, I shot a, a trigger release for years, then I went to a thumb button. I tried it all, and I would practice one way, but when I got in a, a situation where I had to stop an animal or or anything like that or i feel like i would rush myself and uh not make a real good shot even if i'd hit the animal good i didn't like how it felt right rushing myself so yeah i started using a hinge and uh it really seemed to slow me down a little bit so do you ever suggest one or the other or is it kind of just fits that archer you know what i'm saying or it just depends on the person it depends on the person depends on how you attack your shot and and i think you know just going straight and suggesting somebody to hunt with a hinge is i think not very smart and if you've never shot one it's definitely not smart but what i would suggest everybody get one as a trainer you know and um yeah and even in like i mean in the summer and off season you know you go in and you just train yourself to feel what that surprise release feels like and uh you know and then eventually you probably get comfortable enough to where you would hunt with it but it's a different feel but it does teach you what that perfect shot's supposed to feel like yeah um because i brad had a brad had a hinge and i'd never shot one before and he was like just i mean i was standing like 10 yards he's just trying and i shot and it freaked me out yeah because i'd never done it before i was (laughs) like whoa what is that (laughs) Uh, and uh but he told me because y'all had uh, when y'all were doing that uh shooting that gold tip commercial yeah he told me you told him that so that that's exactly why i got one just right. so we could practice that during the summertime and that that it's a it is a different feeling but it, it did it was a it was a surprise release for yeah. sure but uh yeah, it makes you better man it makes you feel you know because most people have been taught shooting a bow bow hunting hey you put your pin right to where you want it and then touch the trigger off you right know? yeah and so yeah that works but you can only become so good doing that and, and that creates target panic anticipation you start timing your shot and and so what a back tension will do, it takes all that away, and you have to literally focus on aiming, which is what you should be doing. You right. Know? And then you switch to your, you know, other release after a while, and you start shooting it correctly. So. Right. So before we get it, that makes me think, we did have a, I put up a deal on our on our Instagram page today, and I said send in some questions. Right. And um, we'll cover a couple of those, but one of those I wanted to cover because we got this, we, we got this same question like a multiple number of times. People were just asking what your setup was like right now okay what you're shooting for for hunting like okay. what's your hunting setup so i got matthew's triaxe it's um you know that bow's a 28 inch axle back right. so um, really compact um and i shoot a 30 inch draw so you know that's is you know a real drastic setup but yeah. it shoots so good you know on paper people probably be like that's that string angle is crazy but it's got such big cams that it's not um not an issue and so i shoot a, a sherlock um lethal weapon sight five pin on a mover um and i shoot qad their new micro adjust rest right i got gold tip valkyrie 300s uh four fletched nocturnal swacker broadheads um 
trying to think. B Singer Stabilizer run a um, ten inch back bar. Yeah, I wanted that. I'd never seen a hunting setup with with that with those biggest stabilizers. Right. Yeah, on I kind of shoot a mini tournament rig. Right. Um, for hunting, I shoot a ten inch back bar with about fifteen ounces on it, and a twelve inch front with about six ounces on the end of it yeah. at ten degree down angle. Um, trying to think. I shoot a quarter inch peep. Um. No, I don't. No, I don't. I told you wrong. I shoot an eighth inch peep. <laughs> eighth inch peep. And, or, uh, yeah, that's it. And um, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, as far as my bow, and then I shoot that True Fire Sear yeah. as a release, which is that hinge release. Um, uh, you know, that's about it as far as actual yeah. shooting goes. What do you, um, you made a remark to me the other day because I was asking those Valkyries, you, yeah. you, the four fletch. You like you prefer that? It's the first time I've hunted with four fletch in a long, long time, and it's what I like about it is it's a low profile four fletch using a two point one low yeah. profile shield cut, and it's quieter. But you can when you put four veins, you can get you can use um, a less vein, you know, a lower profile which right. is quieter, um, it's, but it still controls that broadhead. And yeah. so I did some testing earlier in the year with those uh, you know versus just a regular two inch high profile vein or right. three fletch and at 100 yards testing i was getting a lot tighter groups with that with that four fletch valkyrie and so you know being it's quieter and groups better it was a no-brainer yeah. for me it was i mean you said it was quieter but then i was out there and you were shooting i mean that was noticeably quieter yeah. like you shot i was like wow yeah. i mean you just it you know i mean compared to a big what, difference i would agree yeah, yeah. Um, so let's go to the, there's one of the questions that we got. Um, this was sent in, says, uh, he want to know arrow weight for elk or whitetail. He grew up, it says around the Midwest, you grew up hunting where speed was the key. So they hunted with general, uh, generally lighter arrows. Um, so, and he was, so yeah, what arrow, arrow weights for, for elk or whitetail. Right. Well, I use the same setup for everything. Um, you know, um, blessed to have a long draw length and so i don't ever have a problem with speed or anything like that but my you know you i don't feel like you really want to shoot anything under 400 grains ever you know at Mm -hmm. anything no matter how fast because there's a balance there you want to have a heavy arrow but you also want to have a little bit of speed it don't do you any good to shoot a 500 grain arrow at 100 foot a second right so there's a balance there's a little bit of you know middle ground there but i mean anything over 400 grains and uh it just depends. You got to do the best with what you can. Like Samantha, my wife's got a 26 inch draw, so she shoots like a 380 grain arrow at about 280. You know? Right. And that's, I mean, she blows through 250 pound whitetail with that. Yeah. But still, if you hit one of those shoulder bones and and you know a hard bone animal, get yourself in trouble real quick. Yeah. Um, and I shoot a 440 grain arrow at 320. So I mean. Yeah, that's moving. Yeah, it's moving. But you know what? I've still had you know a lot of guys you know try to tell me it wasn't enough was arrow wasn't heavy enough but honestly i shot a moose this year i've, I've shot almost every animal in north america with that setup and yeah i mean i was i was shooting uh like my my arrow is 420 right and it blew through an elk i mean yeah. so i'd say if i mean 440 right and i mean yeah you're gonna have a uh you know instances where you hit a real heavy bone and you ain't gonna blow through an animal right but it don't matter what you shoot if you hit that bone just right it ain't gonna yeah it ain't gonna go through it you know so that is the most accurate deadly setup that i can find is about you know 410 to 450 on an mm-hmm. arrow weight shooting somewhere 280 to 320 you know and that is a killing combination right there so how often like 
how much time do you do you tune each of your arrows like tune them to your broadheads do all that all yep. that stuff yep i do and what like i was saying um my arrows i build about three dozen arrows at the beginning of each year yeah. each hunting season and i tune a broadhead to that specific arrow so yeah. that a, a single broadhead is tuned exactly for that single arrow you know i don't just screw a broadhead on and go so um those arrows got swiped in Vicksburg too. So I was uh, literally building arrows, trying to tune this new bow and everything a day before yeah. we left. And so, um, I didn't do that coming down here and I really have struggled. And you saw me yesterday trying to get yeah. my setup perfect. And I'm probably way more anal than most people. Just, I want it to hit right behind my pen. Yeah. Every shot. Well, you know? I, I look at it as, as which, I mean, obviously, you know leaps and bounds more than i do but it, i mean i was growing up when i got into bow hunting i like I, I was one of those guys i walked in the archery shop when i needed arrows and i would go uh those are the cheapest ones right but then once i started it, it honestly after i started working here when i was around you know brad and will and, and guys right. that shot a lot and i started learning all these things and then it was like that I guess it was like that ignorance is bliss kind of thing. I right. didn't know, so I didn't worry about it. But then once I started learning some stuff, I was like, oh gosh, you right. know, I can't just. Well, it's the same way I grew up, man. I even, I killed big deer and I bought my ears from Walmart. I mean, I remember they used to come pre-fletched, pre-cut, yeah. inserts in them. I said, hey, it's cheap, fast, I'm going hunting. Yeah, know? it'll do the job, yeah. Yeah, and, um, but you know, it all depends. I mean, you can obviously still kill deer like that, but the more I've learned, the more, I, you know, I've learned how good you can really be and how good your setup can really be and how forgiving it can be and what that yeah. looks like, what it feels like, how it shoots. And now I can't be satisfied with anything else, yeah. you know? And so, um, it's kind of a curse really when you know too much about a bow and how to right. tune it because you can literally sit there and nitpick a setup all day long, but uh, it makes you better. You know, competition has made me a better hunter for sure. You know, learning my equipment and yeah, and um, but at the same time, you sit there in a deer stand and go, man, that I hit you know an inch from where I was aiming at that Glendale buck earlier today, and just sit there and stare yeah. on it, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. the way I always looked at it, because you know, I'm, I'm you know I'm no competition shooter, obviously, but I, I looked at it as you know almost. I think you kind of owe it to the animal that right. you're hunting yep. to be as prepared as yeah. possible. Because if I if I shot a deer not well, gimped it up, didn't find yeah. it wounded, whatever, and it was because of something that I wasn't prepared on. Right. I couldn't sit well on that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and, and so I've been in camp with guys. I've got buddies. They shoot, you know, a couple of days before season. I mean, they hit the vitals on a Glendale at 30 yeah. yards. At, hey, it's good. You know, let's go yeah. hunt. Yeah. And it just blows my mind. I mean, you're going to literally work and do all that work and prepare for a hunt and hang stands and sit there day after day after day for an opportunity and when you get it, you don't even know if you're going to make it count. Or right. Not. That blows my mind, you know, and I, I definitely think you owe it to the animal. You owe it to yourself. You're going to yeah. sit there and work that hard to be prepared when that opportunity comes up. If if you weren't competing anymore, if you weren't shooting any tournaments, you are just hunting, how, how often would you practice? I, w I feel like I would practice just as much because yeah. I feel like I prepare for hunts more than I do competition Yeah. Um, because there's so much more uh, that's uncontrolled that you can't control. Yeah. You know, tournaments, yeah. I know what I'm going to get thrown. You know, I know what's going to get thrown at me. Right. I know how far I'm going to be shooting approximately, you know. And so out here, it's like you don't know if you're going to shoot sitting down. You don't know if you're going to shoot at a weird position, uphill, downhill, you know, how far how quick you got to yeah. be. I mean, there's so many things that's uncontrolled out here. 
Um, I feel like I prepare myself way more for a hunt, and my setup's probably normally more fine-tuned for hunting than it is tournaments because you screw a broadhead on your arrow, and I shoot a swacker broadhead, and so it's it's the best flying broadhead I've ever found. Okay. And so, but it still will guide that arrow if your bow's not perfect. Right, yeah. Because it's got wing blades on it, and anything that's got wings on it, if you if your arrow comes out a little crooked off that bow, it's going to... It's yeah. going to plane on that. So, I mean, there, there's so many things in the hunting world that can cause nightmares for shooting, you know. And yeah. so, I think you got to be a little better out here. Yeah. I mean, it, like, there's just too many unknown variables. Right. I would agree. Okay, so the next question we got sent in, uh, it says, why why do you use a 10-degree down angle on your competition bow? I started doing, I do it on my hunting bows, too. I started doing that um, probably seven or eight years ago. I just tried it and it felt so good. I like keeping most bows. The grip is below center on the riser. Right. So most of the weight is above your hand. Okay. So I like to put all the weight that I can below my hand, below center of the bow. So as low as possible. So I put that on it to keep that front weight low, kind of balances it out. Don't make that top want to fall one way or the other. Gotcha. So I try to keep more weight below my hands than I got above my hand. Makes sense. Okay. Um, Next question. How do you find your anchor with a back tension release? I always, um, well, there's, I, you know, I always teach a three point anchor. So hand to release contact, hand to face contact, and then face to string contact. And you want to work off three points of anchor. So, um, obviously taking into consideration, you hold it in your hand the same every time I, when I pull back, I run there's the, knuckle of my first finger the knuckle of my middle finger that little groove between those two knuckles i run yeah. down my jawbone and um so i will pull that release down my jawbone in that groove until the string just barely touches my nose gotcha. and so that's my stopping point um and then obviously you got how you hold it in your hand the same every time but that's how i have a consistent anchor and hold gotcha. it the same so i'm assuming because a lot of these questions you know they're not going to be able to see because we're right on a podcast so what do you i'm, I'm sure you've covered that in some way because you have an awesome youtube channel right, for all it's this on stuff YouTube. yeah yeah three point anchor yeah um, it's on our youtube channel and what, what's your youtube channel called so it's that, bow life bow life, yeah, yeah. Bow life so TV. yeah a, a lot of these guys if you're hearing this just go check out his youtube channel and he'll answer a lot of this stuff for you yep uh, selfish question because it's made me think about it. What's your take on it? Have you ever seen anyone anchor with a real, that you can't see the thumb behind the neck like that? You yeah, ever seen that? I've seen that, and I don't like it. I, you don't I like just, it? No, I, you know, when, even when, we, when I was a kid, people were doing that, and I tried it. And, now i got to um, change everything that I do. <laughs> I, I look, the thing about archery is, you know, there is no right or wrong way to do anything. If you can repeat it, that's what I always say. Archery is about repeating things. It's 100,000 little things that are happening at once. And no matter if it looks horrible, if nobody else does it, whatever. If you do it the exact same every time, you're going to be a good shot. Yeah. And so there's no right or wrong way. I get beat by people doing horrible form. I get beat by people punching the trigger, Tim Gillingham. <laughs> I mean, look, I've got beat by it all. And it's because those people can repeat it the same every time. Right. I can't. I can't anchor with a thumb behind my neck because I don't do it the same every right. time. It don't mean you can't do it. It just, some things make it harder to repeat than others, you know? And so, but if you've done it your whole life, I'm not telling you that you're wrong and you need to go change it. Um, you need to find something you can repeat and that's right. I tried to, Jordan saw me doing that and he was like, you've got to stop doing that. And I, <laughs> I tried and like I stopped and I started shooting without my thumb behind my neck and I was spraying arrows 
all over the place. Well, you need to get a hinge. That's what I see. Because you can't put your thumb. Right. Well, that's what I was, uh, I was actually going to, because I, I told Brad, because I saw Brad doing it, and Jordan shoots a thumb release. And I said, you know what? After hunting season, I said, I'm getting yeah. one, and I'm, I'm going to do that. I was, that's going to be my project over the summer. Because I'd, I've heard, I've, I've every I've, the most positive response I've heard from asking him about the thumb behind the neck was like, well, I guess it's not terrible, but most everyone's ever going, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's just unnecessary, I think. Right. But, and you know, you got different, if you get different gear on, different situations, you got your hood up, something, you know, and it's just another unnecessary point of contact, I guess. If you run a three point anchor system, you don't need to have your thumb behind your neck. I don't necessarily right. think it's going to hurt anything. Um, but, it's just one of those things where if that's comfortable to you, then there, I mean, I'm not telling you, yeah. you got to go change. I know I couldn't do it, Yeah. but that's probably because I've shot the opposite way for so long. Yeah. Just like trying to get you to change from having your thumb behind your neck, you know? So well, after I get my hinge release this summer and lose three dozen arrows <laughs> trying to get it down, I'll tell you how it goes. It ain't cool to have your thumb behind your neck anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Give it up, man. You know, you think you're cool. Cause yeah. you're... it's 2018. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh gosh uh, okay i thought i thought this question was interesting especially since you made uh everyone i called uh so like levi and micah i go you know i, I walk over where they're staying the other night and i'm like hey you know we're doing telling the plan for the morning they're like hey yeah we're actually running the town the morning. i was like why they're like we're going to the gym i was like the gym and <laughs> we us, I guess, us lazy slobs. We didn't even know there was a gym in town. <laughs> well, but uh, the the question, the reason, the question here, someone asked is they said, uh, is there any specific exercises that that you know of that could strengthen, uh, th- to be able to hold on target better, to stabilize them better? And I, I've heard I've heard stuff on that before, but I, you would know better, obviously. Yeah, I do. Um, I did an article um, in the Matthews uh, catalog that was last year about that, about, you know, fitness exercise and stuff for archery. And it's really just working your core, working your back, and working your triceps, really. And that's, um, obviously, you don't want to have some muscles that are, you know, bigger than others or overpowering others. So it's really just a good, you know, a good upper body workout. You know, I mean, I don't lift a lot of heavy weights. I do a lot of cardio, a lot of core work, um, and a lot of back because you know you're aiming and holding that bow with your back yeah. um, and your triceps. So, um, and obviously some shoulders too. A lot of you know people have bad shoulders, so they can't do a lot. But I mean, it's kind of hard to explain on a podcast as far as an entire workout because I do so much different stuff. But um, if you find that article I wrote for Matthews, it kind of touches all that stuff and goes gotcha. through it piece by piece. But um, or um i know josh bomar uh does a lot of stuff like that and so i've you know and then hunt train repeat blake kidder he's actually unbelievable uh and he's a big archer and um he's actually the one that got me started taking fitness so seriously several years ago um and so i mean there's a lot of good knowledgeable people that know more about fitness than i do i just know how to work hard and so i don't go in there every day with a specific you know, I'm going to hold better for doing this. You know, I just try to be healthy and try yeah. to build those muscles yeah. that I use shooting a bow. Yeah. Well, I understand that. And I, I, I mean, I was, I was definitely guilty of, 
used to before it was before i started working here and all my hunting was around you know just around mississippi and stuff right. uh and i would just i kind of pushed all that. i was like man that's that's dumb you don't need that stuff you right. know but until we started doing like out west stuff mm-hmm. when working here i was like okay yeah you probably should do some of that right, stuff yeah. it, it really i mean it's not a gimmick i mean that stuff no yeah. pays off no doubt and i mean i remember because i grew up a white tail hunter that's all i ever did and, and you don't need to be in good shape to go sit in a tree stand no you know? Um, but I remember going out west elk hunting. I was like, okay, that ain't no joke. And then I went on my first real adventure, like a caribou hunt up in the Arctic. And I always seen these caribou hunts on TV. I was like, it's easy, you know, yeah. thousands of caribou walk right by you. Just pick one out. Yeah. yeah well, it wasn't that way. Dude. I mean, we, that's the most I ever walked in my life up to that point. I literally thought that I was like, my adventure hunt career is over and it ain't even started yet, dude. I'm going to die out here. So that's that was been several years ago, and I was like, man, I gotta I gotta be better than this, you know. Yeah. And so it became a real serious part of our lives. And so, and hunting season's tough, and you know that, yeah. Because we travel and hunt right. so many different places, and it's hard to find gyms and make yourself go. And so we just kind of made a deal with each other that we were gonna hold it ourselves accountable and and find a gym and not yeah because we sit here and eat you know fried foods and about peach I mean, you, you, you need it you yeah know? you need to go to a gym after how they feed <laughs> so you here. it's like and uh so i mean yeah i i don't sit look like a supermodel got a six-pack right now this time of year but we've stayed in pretty decent shape yeah and, i mean it's not yeah i'm not that's a <laughs> I, so I was like man i should probably start doing that yeah jordan I mean, come on we're going to the gym <laughs> <laughs> well, you, uh, yeah it was so funny you told me we were going to lake uh, this other little town i won't call them out by name <laughs> yeah uh, don't do they that. have some fans in those those People towns around here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was one town that i was like we're gonna go there and find a gym you're like man that's sketchy i'd go to this other town we went to this other town and went to the gym, and I was like, if that town's ske- the sketchy one, I don't want to go to it. But <laughs> <laughs> I was telling you, I was like, man, look, if you want to go to the gym that bad, just go run up the levee a few times. Yeah, Maybe exactly. go <laughs> pick up some cross ties. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> full on, like, does it do it like campaign does? Just run no. around and start picking up rocks. No, know? that dude's a beast. I, yeah, ain't, oh, I ain't doing that. I go to a gym, and, yeah. and uh, I don't take it that serious now, but. I, I like to be healthy. Yeah. Oh, look, we were uh, we were hunting somewhere, and I, I won't. Uh, we were hunting a ranch that I think uh, me and Brad were that gambled on in the past, and we were like walking up this mountain, and we were struggling. I mean, I was. I mean, I was just every. I think every bit of oxygen that was in that air, <laughs> I was currently inhaling it. I was, right. you know, and the the guy that he was like, yeah, he's like, man, when yeah, when Cameron came here, he just. He just shot right up this little mountain. No, I don't imagine. think he ever stopped. I was like, oh gosh, that guy's <laughs> crazy, man. I follow him on um, on Instagram, obviously, just like the rest of the America does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. Uh, I mean, he's inspirational, no doubt. But yeah, for sure. I mean, he runs. You know, I don't even know how many miles a day, four day light on his lunch break after work. I mean, I'm like. For one, I'd be divorced because my wife would kill me. <laughs> um, and for another, I just don't like running that much. So, yeah. but dude, I mean, I, he's so driven; it's crazy. But yeah. Um, so la- last question, and then it's late, and then we still gotta. Well, we gotta go. We gotta go. I kill ducks in the yeah, morning. Yeah, we gotta go shoot ducks in the morning. So yeah, you did have that's a, so Levi Morgan had his first duck, duck hunting. hunting experience here at Cottonmouth. Yeah, I shot a box and a half of shells and killed six. Hey, but you got a limit of ducks. <laughs> I got if my you limit. ain't shooting a lot, you're not having hey, fun. If for, you know it was teal and those things are not slow yeah so if any of y'all are listening to this and y'all don't uh duck on a lot so i mean the teal is obviously it's a type of duck but it's a very small duck yeah and it's a that we call them little f-18 fighter jets because those things 
I mean, sometimes you hear them coming before you see them. You just, yeah. and they're gone. Yeah. And so shooting those is no easy task. No, it ain't. And it, you know what made me nervous? That's the first time I've been nervous in a while in front of people was at the end, I had two left and everybody else tagged out. <laughs> and it was everybody standing around watching me. And that's the first two in a row duck I've shot the, the yeah, whole morning. I killed would. the two come in. I killed two. I was like, good. You felt the pressure. Yeah. Let's go home. Boom, boom. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> we're done here. Uh, okay, so yeah, last, last question. I got a couple. Someone, uh, what is the, the best way that you know of to get rid of target panic? I've said this several times. I think the best way to do that is if you, like right now off season, um, from now, between now and hunting season, take a two, three-week span and uh, because what target panic is it could be caused by several different things but it's it's um that urge to punch that trigger as soon as that pin touches what you want it to hit so it's a fear of aiming in the middle really is what it is or or, you know if you don't hold dead still and that pin's wiggling and it hits the dot or you know the the vitals you want to punch the trigger you know you want to dump that release instantly so what you got to do is teach your mind it's okay for that pin to sit there and not fire. So the best thing I've found to do that is just take two or three weeks and say, I'm not going to shoot an arrow. You know, Go out and do exactly what you would normally do when you practice. Load the arrow, stand there 30 yards, 20 yards, whatever. Pull back and aim with your finger on that trigger, if it's a trigger, whatever that may be, and just aim with that pin in the middle and don't shoot. And when that shot starts to break down, just let your bow down yeah take a few seconds break just like you were going to load another arrow and shoot it and pull back keep doing that don't even fire an arrow do that for a couple weeks and slowly you're going to start to teach yourself i'm aiming in the dot and i don't have to punch that trigger off do you know what i I just thought of this i don't know why didn't you you weren't you on an article about that i did a i got a youtube thing about it and i wrote several articles because here's i don't know why just me being me i don't know why i didn't think about this till now but again, over the summer, I was stressing myself out because I knew I was elk hunting in September. Right. And I started getting target panic like mad. Yeah. And I came in, I was sitting at my desk one morning. We have a range behind the office mm-hmm. and Will comes in and he printed out that article and he laid it on my desk and yeah. said, and said, do this. And I did, I did for every morning. I would yeah. do that. I went outside, but right when I got to work, I'd go outside of the range and I wouldn't shoot. I'd just right. draw back and I and it worked. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, and the hardest part is not shooting. And, yeah. And, and like you, even when you start aiming in the middle and feeling that, you get excited. The, the first day that I did it, yeah. That I, I mean, I told myself, I was like, I, I didn't think it was going to be that. I was like, I was like, all right, draw back, put it on, you know, do the thing, hold it in the middle. Of the, and, and soon as my, as soon as my pin hit the center mm-hmm. of that dot, I jerked. Yeah. Like I did, I didn't, I had my finger behind the trigger because yeah. I had trigger release, but I did. I mean, my whole body just went like yeah. that. And I was like, Oh, uh-huh. that's what's doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, it, your mind, uh, and it's so funny when I was little, I had it so bad that I couldn't even hardly look through my peep without punching the trigger. Really? And my dad used to stand there and tell me, son, don't let that little piece of metal control you, what you're doing. You know, you're the one in control, you know, you used to just, but it's so hard when you have that. And I got rid of it for the longest time. And then when I turned pro in 2006, and then it began in 2007, I won my first national shoot as a pro. And that expectation started coming back around. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to prove it wasn't a fluke. And all of a sudden, here come target panic again. And I'm shooting as a professional, dealing with target panic. Yeah. And I won several tournaments dealing with target panic until I beat it again. But that was one of the ways I did that. There's several different ways to do it because there's so many causes. Yeah. Could be shooting too much poundage. Your pin ain't big enough. Your peep ain't big enough. You know, your draw link's wrong. 
all that stuff. Um, but what I would do is even take because releases have settings where they you can you know sensitivity settings right. and how light, how heavy. Set that sucker so heavy it won't fire if you're having trouble and you can't aim without firing it. Yeah, and then pull back, put your finger on it, and mash as hard as you want, but it ain't gonna fire. And right. Practice aiming. And another awesome tool that's come out here last year or so is TrueFire come out with a release called uh, Panic X. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that. it's got an on and off setting. You put it on on, and you can't even punch it. Yeah. Like, you, you punch it, it won't fire. You have to literally squeeze it slow as not to get that thing to yeah. fire. And so that's a, I mean, what better training release than that? There's several ways to break it, and you can do it. seems impossible, but with a little bit of time and the right equipment, you can do it. Awesome. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's all the questions we had, and it is, it is kind of late. We need to get in bed, so... uh got to shoot ducks in the morning so yeah right. uh levi thanks again we're already pumped that she killed a buck hopefully you got one more afternoon and hey. arkansas has two tags that's right so. i'm gonna go again man I, it's been a fun fun trip i appreciate all you guys um for having us down and, yeah and, man I, I wasn't lying like next year just bring the whole family down you won't have to worry about it i'm gonna try to get him to come you can shoot some deer samantha can shoot some deer or you know she can shoot deer and you can just hang out <laughs> hey, you know long what? as my five-year-old can bring his football i'm sure everybody will be happy oh yeah 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 <laughs> so uh guys uh thank y'all for listening thank y'all for sending those questions again a lot of this stuff that uh levi went over is on his youtube channel bow life correct yep, bow life. um so definitely look that up uh we're gonna get back to it i'm hopefully gonna shoot some ducks in the morning some deer in the afternoon but uh, as always thank you for listening to the speak the language podcast